Good morning, church. Uh, love that it's Sunday again and we get to gather together and just be able to worship together and um, open God's Word together. I think as we continue in uh, the series of the Apostles' Creed, I wanted to be able to just point out to us that um, kind of maybe the heart and the reason that we would um, teach through the Creed like this, it's because um, I believe that it's very important. One of the probably the weakest things that we have uh, or just kind of neglect uh, as, as we put on in Ephesians 6, the armor of God. Um, you may be familiar with that, but, but there's, there's a part of that that can just so easily kind of overlooked and bypassed is not as significant, and it's the belt of truth. Uh, and I think that there's a significant amount of weight that we need to make sure that we place upon what is truth. Um, and as we walk through this, this is what we believe this is what we believe, and so we're just kind of claiming these statements as belief statements, but I want to make sure that you have permission not to just believe something is true because we say it's true. It's not true because I say it's true. I don't, kind of, I don't have that kind of power, um, and neither is anybody that's ever going to be on a stage anywhere, all right? So we don't have that kind of power to be able to say what is true and what's not true, um, Nobody does except for God and the Word. Uh, so the Word tells us what is truth. And so it becomes very important that we know why we believe what we believe. It's very important that you know why you believe what you believe. I have a very embarrassing um, past in this because my father was a pastor and I just believed a lot of things. Hey, I feel like my dad's pretty smart and I just believed everything that my parents taught me without question. And that's great, except for what if they were wrong? <laughs> right? what, if, what if they were, were wrong? And I just believe, and I don't even know why I believe the things that I believe. And, and I, it's very important that your faith, that you own it. You don't have a second-hand faith, but you have a first-hand faith that is yours, and you own and you know why it is that you believe what you believe. There was, there's a passage of Scripture, if you're talking about next steps, I think these growth things that happen in us. One of the ones that's been significant in me that allowed me to take a significant step in my spiritual maturation and then has caused me now to begin to take more steps in the same um, is this verse right here. And it's First Thessalonians 5.21. And it basically just says, test everything and then hold on to what is good and then dismiss the things that aren't. Test everything. Hold on to what you find to be good and then dismiss what is what is not, we, me and my family, we were going through, um, I mean, a time to where I needed a spiritual hospital. And we were, we were hurting ministry and not gone the way that you just kind of dreamed that it would go and was kind of moved to a church and I met um, what is now such still a dear, dear, dear friend to me. His name is Gerald Scarborough. I want to honor him because, man, he's as a man that loves Jesus uh, and he loved on me. Um, and for two years... Thursday morning, 6 o'clock, I was in that guy's basement together. We were just wrestling through things, and I was not in a good spot. But, man, for two years, we just started testing things out, and God did amazing things, teaching me things about who he, who he is and who he was for me and my family in that time. And it was um, that that I started realizing, maybe for the first time, given permission to doubt. Maybe for the very first time, given permission to struggle with something. And know that it's okay to not be okay, right? Just don't stay that way. 
Right? It's okay that I struggled. And after the first service, there's actually a gentleman that came to me and he said, hey, I was 50 years old when I feel like I learned what it is that you're talking about. So in some ways, I want to be able to give us permission that it's okay that you have doubts. It's okay that you have struggles. And because some things that God says, it's hard to believe. Right? It's going to be some difficult things because he's God and we're not. He's bigger, us. He's bigger than us. And there's going to be things. There's going to be some things, mysteries, because he's God. Because if we can figure out God, then we would be God. Right? But there's going to be some mysteries, yes, but there's going to be things that he, he needs for you and me to figure out. But we're not going to do that unless we actually carry our doubts and carry our struggles to him. So let me say this as a jumping off thought. Our doubts and struggles should not be a growth cap for us, but rather a catalyst. Actually, we shouldn't fear and be afraid to question God and have doubts about who God is but rather it should be a catalyst for growth, the opportunities for him to do things that otherwise he wouldn't be able to do and to teach us. When we find ourselves in moments to where he can, we have to let him. We have to let him. We have, we have to allow him those moments. There's all through Scripture where people are wrestling with God, and I don't think that all of those moments are people who are just kind of rebuking God. I think that they just needed some answers. They needed some clarity. But they wanted to know, why is it this way? I mean, some people can talk and maybe ask questions like, God, how can you allow a hurricane to come through? And I'm like, okay, do you know why you believe what it is that you believe about that? Or is it just like, a, hey, God's just good, and you just kind of blanket it? Or do you really know why you believe what you believe? Because having a solid foundation can speak truth into those moments rather than some obscurities that's not going to help anybody. So we need the truth of who God is for us and for other people, that we don't allow our doubts and our struggles to rob us away from more of God, but that they teach us about more of God. I, from that time in our lives, I, I ended up, we moved to Kentucky, um, and God brought us back to Georgia. Come on, still go dogs. Mm. Mm. But he brought us back to, to Georgia. Thankfully, we're back here. And, um, but while we were in Kentucky, um, there was, we were there for about five years. And there was one Sunday at our church that I, I was walking, and the foyer was rather large, and it was kind of like a normal Sunday morning. People gathered in huddles and talking, drinking coffee, and just laughing, having a good time before service. And, and I kind of was hear, overhearing a conversation in one of the little huddles. And I just kind of eavesdropped on it a little bit because I heard this lady, she started, she was talking about pastors in general. And she's like, you know, the pastors, they never really ever talk about gluttony. I was like, huh. I was like, I didn't know whether I should be offended as a pastor of the church. And I'm like, uh, but then I tested it. I was like, you know, when's the last sermon that I've preached on gluttony? So I guess she's right. <laughs> uh, it's not something that gets taught and preached about a whole, whole lot. Like, but... But, okay, maybe, maybe I should think about that. And so I was part of, like, a, you know, little similar to here, like a, a rotation on a teaching team. And um, so don't you know what I preached that next time that I had the opportunity to preach? What? The centrality of, of, of Christ is what I preached about. <laughs> but, um, but that next opportunity, though, I preached on gluttony. So thank you for having faith in me. I appreciate you guys. A little bit of faith in me, knowing that I was going to preach on it. But I eventually did. It just took me a while to get there because I needed to wrestle with it. So I'm like, I don't, you know, I, don't, I never even questioned what I believe about it. Like, I've heard this word before, but I didn't really know. 
And I took me some time to wrestle with it and, and, and dial in on, okay, here's what I believe that I can actually speak truth about instead of just coming and saying what I think about it. And this was quite different when we find out to be the truth. And it actually gets a little bit worse for me. Um, so I did end up preaching this. And then like a month or so later, same scenario. Sunday, everybody's doing their ritual of huddling around. And, and I heard the same comment from the same lady. Incredible. Incredible. She's just like, yeah, they some, some. I mean, maybe she had a different group of people around her, and she was just trying to get the word out that she doesn't believe the gluttony gets preached about. And I don't know, either she took a nap that Sunday, right, which is very possible. So if you're using your Sunday to take a nap, so don't let me interrupt you. Um, <clears throat> But if that, maybe that was the case for her, right? Maybe that was the case. Or she decided that Sunday wasn't the right Sunday for her to even attend gathering to worship together. But either, either way, that's months, 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 months later. She's still, because somebody didn't come forward with a topic, like wrestling with the idea of gluttony. I, like, I don't think that that's what God's people, that we need to be. Seeking out the things that we believe and not allowing it to go on and on and on. Like, if you still have some of the same questions you've had since you were a kid, that shouldn't be the, the case because we should be in pursuit of truth to allow God to teach us what it is that He wants us to know. So, as we are in the phrase this week, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's that's a topic that probably Baptist life has not been talked about a lot, although I get to say that like, we just went through a series on the Holy Spirit. Come on, that was, that was awesome. That, that we're not sidestepping maybe the things that are a little bit harder to speak on, um, but that we're addressing and we get to kind of hit these things head on. And, and yet, so what more is it that we need to say about the Holy Spirit? And there's been a lot of things we've already talked about in the previous series, and so if you weren't around for that, I encourage you to go, go listen to them. Uh, online through the app, um, but um, but what today? What is it? I believe that I think that God wants to teach us all the more about the Holy Spirit, um, and maybe why it's so important that we wrap our minds around it and uh, wrap around Him as the, a person in the Trinity, um, <clears throat> knowing what you believe. And why you believe the things that you believe about the Holy Spirit of God. There's a, a quote that I want to, to give you. It's one that um, our staff just a little while back read. Um, there's a man by the name of Robbie Gallaty that said this. It said, the gospel came to you because it was headed to someone else. I mean, let that, give that a second. Let that, mm, let that sink, right? Because the reason that the gospel came to me is a as a selfish person, as, as my heart, it's, it's easy to just believe that, hey, I got this, this gift, and then, yay, what then? But the gospel didn't just come to you so that it could just stop on you as if, like, whoo, he did what he was supposed to do. The Holy Spirit got to you, done. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to make you look more like Jesus so that then you can go and allow somebody else to be able to know this incredible gift of salvation. The gospel of who Jesus is. I mean, that's, that's the goal. So it came to us. So I would say then that if we were to just kind of stop and not really wrestle and know all the Holy Spirit of God is trying to do in us and through us, that we start missing out on the life that God has intended for us. 
So we need to be questioning and wrestling with, Holy Spirit, what are you teaching me? What are you doing in me? Because I would, I would say to you that what you don't know, you've heard people say like, what you don't know don't hurt you, but I would say what you don't know hurts other people. What you don't know actually hurts people around you who need to know Jesus. So if, you're, if you and I aren't allowing the Holy Spirit to cause us to look more like Jesus and glorify Jesus in our lives, then we are neglecting to know more about him that's going to help somebody else see. So what we don't know actually hurts people. If we're not desperate, I mean, when's the last time you feel like you've had this like, desperation, saying, Holy Spirit, like, do work in me because I know that the most important thing about this life is not stuff, but it's what I do with Jesus. And at the end, what, have I, what I've done with Jesus and what other people, how have they seen him in me? Because that's what I need to be in pursuit of because that's really the only thing that's going to matter with our lives. We have to be desperate for such things. Our doubts that we have, unchecked is the problem, not the doubt itself. But doubts and struggles that go unchecked are our problem, and, and it will lead ultimately to potentially someone else's demise. So people hang in the balance of this. And so let me help us to unpack that just a little bit. Now, there's a thing called big words for those who care. I mean, that we, we see um, commentaries being carried around, which I, which I love. So there's dispensational theology, which is kind of like time frames and moments that happen throughout Scripture. It's just a time frame, dispensational. It's just a big word uh, to explain something. It's a small word to explain something much, much bigger than that word. But, but then there's like Trinitarian dispensation, right? So I want you to think of the Bible and break it into three parts. There's the Old Testament, or the Old Testament was God the Father. He was on display, raising up prophets and speaking through them and doing his work all throughout the Old Testament. But all that he was really doing, everything that was happening in the Old Testament, he was pointing towards Jesus that was to come. Everything is pointing towards this promised one that's coming. And so we see that, actually, if you, if you look at the Old Testament through the lens that everything is pointing to Jesus, it helps, you, it helps it to come alive. It helps, it helps it to be a lot more maybe exciting and you understand a few more things because we tend to place ourselves in the wrong places. Right, when, you, when you watch a movie, the reason that we love movies so much is because we kind of feel the storyline. Like we get wrapped up into characters and we're like, we maybe identify with someone because oh, that person's kind of like me. And so it's fun to be the hero in the story too, isn't it? That we identify to be like, yes. So think about David and he has this moment to where he's a teenager. I love it. He's a teenager and and he has this opportunity to go and give food to his brothers. And he sees an army of God that is shaking, cowardly, before a one man. He just happened to be big. And they're all scared to death. And so David comes in and with simplicity kills him. Not with some big act, but with simplicity. He's like, hey, I, I, I've... God is with me, and I, we're not going to let this stand against God. So with simplicity, he destroys the giant. So we tend to, in that storyline, put ourselves as a place like, yeah, I can defeat giants in my life. That would actually be the wrong way to see it. It might make you feel good, and you, and this may be some, some level of truth to that, but that is, David in that is Jesus. We're the ones, if we're in that story, we're the ones cowarding with our, with the rest of the army. Jesus is the one who comes in and saves the day. We're unable to, and he steps in and does it. 
Right? We can't save ourselves, but Jesus comes in and saves us. It's a picture of Jesus. So, so everything that, that happens is, is storyline after storyline. Is God the Father setting the stage to say, Jesus. Jesus is a greater David. Right? Jesus is a greater Noah. Jesus is a greater every person in the Old Testament. Like, find Jesus in it because he's all pointing to him. And then, that's one section. That's the Father's time. Then there's enter Jesus. Enter Jesus. For 33 years, he's on the planet. Awesome what he does at 33. I've challenged, like, anybody that's over 33, like, what are you doing with your life? You know, it's like, man. <laughs> like, uh, he saved the world, and he is at 33. So, and actually, he did it in three years. His ministry was only three years long. Um, man, like, I'm, I'm a little beyond 33 now, and that hurts a little bit. But to challenge us, I mean, Jesus comes in, and he, and he lives this perfect life. And he's called us to, to be Jesus. But then after Jesus, that's the Gospels. All right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the Gospels. But then Acts on through Revelation. Guess who that is? That's the Holy Spirit. So that should then, because you recognize that we are a part of that future, right, since Acts. Like, we're in that now, so that is us. Now we are dealing with, Jesus says, hey, it's actually better that I'm going to go away because I'm going to send somebody to you, and it's going to be the Holy Spirit. And so we're now in the time of the Holy Spirit. And so if we don't know what we believe and why we believe what we believe about the Holy Spirit, then do you believe that we're missing the mark? That we can't just neglect it or just kind of blanket the Holy Spirit of God? No, we have to recognize this is very important. I'm pretty sure that still, if you were to check, Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but 1 Thessalonians is still in the New Testament. And it says, test everything and then hold on to what's good. So then how are we going to test it? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows Jesus. He's in pretty good communion, right, with him. I think they're close. They're tight. Right? They're kind of one, which is a different sermon, different day. Right? But, but he's there. And he can help you and me to look more like him because he knows what Jesus looks like in every way. And he knows what we look like because he becomes part of us. He indwells us. And so he knows the distinction between the two, and he can help us. So then we're constantly testing, constantly testing. So I would layer on top of this quote, also, the Holy Spirit has come to us so that he can go to someone else. It's not just the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit has come to us so that he can get to someone else, so that you and I must be able to pass on this gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a guy by the name of Francis Chan. I don't know if you've ever heard him or um, he's wrote books. Um, he wrote one called uh, for, Forgotten God uh, is Incredible. Um, I actually went and thumbed through it again when I was preparing for this message. But, uh, but Francis Chan does, um, he challenges the church with a thought. And I want to challenge us with it too. And you maybe have heard it, but <clears throat> if not, that he says, I want you to imagine that you're on a de uh, like a deserted island. So imagine that you're there, and then do everything that you can to peel back the layers of Western culture, right? Um, all of the South and the traditions and church. And so if you could just peel back all the influences that you know about the Holy Spirit, God, anything that you, Jesus, everything. If you were to just peel back all that influence and the layers of that, and then read the Bible, what would you take away? He, he challenges it, and I, I mean, I, I agree with it, because I, th I think that you, there would just be this staggering realization that 
this Holy Spirit is the, t- is the time that we're in. Right? So the, the person of the Holy Spirit, that we would want, have this longing for the Holy Spirit to do work. And I, I sense that like, we, we can say that, but then we don't bring it back home and say, like, why don't we feel that way now? Like, why don't we feel like this, this urgency that the Holy Spirit would be about the work in our lives, making us look like Jesus? Like, when's the last time they've had some desperation in that, saying, God, show me, teach me what I need to be, because I recognize that people hang in the balance. But what we end up doing is, because we don't know a lot, we swing the pendulum too far, and we make it too much about the Holy Spirit, but because the Holy Spirit's not even about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is about Jesus. We've got to be careful that we're not worshiping in the wrong direction, that it's still all about Jesus. Right? Was it the Father was pointing to Jesus, Jesus is saying, here, I've come, and then the Holy Spirit's pointing back to Jesus. So we need to recognize that the Holy Spirit is about Jesus. So yes, the Holy Spirit brings, there's gifts, and there's the fruit, but we got to be careful that we don't reduce him to those things because he's more than those things. Yes, he brings gifts and fruit in, in our lives, but he's, he's beyond those things because those things are really just, like, that's, that's what, that's what, but that's not the purpose, right? The purpose is Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is, is helping us in this pursuit, not, not that we would long for something to have from him, because that's a selfish desire of the Holy Spirit, but, but it's who we can become. Holy Spirit is making us like Jesus. So if you have a Bible and you want to flip it to John 14, this is where we're going to be for the rest of our time. We'll, a couple of thoughts and then we'll land the plane. But John 14, looking at, starting in verse number 25 and, and 26, and I think they'll be on the, on the screen for us too. So John 14, 25 says, These things I've spoken to you, this is Jesus. That's what Jesus has to say about the Holy Spirit, which I think matters. These things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, right, the comforter, the guide, right, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And so your thought for this, the Holy Spirit, he provides comfort to us in this world. He's here and he provides a comfort to us in this world. Now, I need to apologize for something I'm about to do to you. Um, so in 1977, there's a guy by the name of Charles Strauss. I heard, a, I heard this illustration, and I feel like it's, it's very, very fitting um, to, to layer into this, this message. But there's a guy by the name of Charles Strauss, and he wrote some words. And so the words that I'm about to tell you that he wrote, again, you can hate me later if you want to, but, but I'm going to just kind of, here's, here's what he has to say. The sun will come out tomorrow. (laughs) Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. The reason that I'm apologizing because it's gonna like later today you're gonna be singing it and you're not gonna know why. And you'll be like, ah, that guy. Yes, I'm so I'm sorry. But just thinking about tomorrow clears away the cobwebs and the sorrows till there's none. When I'm stuck in a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and grin and say. Don't do it. <laughs> you're ready. I know. You're ready. You're on, you're on, you're on cue. I mean, so that, that, that comes from um, the, the Broadway 
Annie, there you go. Some of you are cultured in here too. I love it. And so he, this guy, Charles, was given the task. He said, look, hey, we're going to be writing this, and I, we need you to help us to build the character of Annie. Right, and so he's writing to develop this character in Annie who is in some desperate situations, right, as, a, as an orphan. As an orphan, she's, her, things are not the best for her. And he's saying, here's what we need Annie to be, though. We need her to be ultra positive. I mean, there's another song. You're never fully dressed without a smile. <laughs> right, so the songs, they, they just ooze optimism, don't they? In the middle of the circumstance. And so here, why would you, why would you talking about Annie when, when, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit? I'm so glad you asked because I'm going to, I wrote that in that you would ask me. And so here's your answer. He allows, the Holy Spirit allows us to transcend our circumstances through optimism. He gives us a joy that transcends our circumstances. He gives us a life in him, knowing who he is, that no matter what is happening around us, we still have him. A lot of things can change. Circumstances can cause our lives to look drastically different, but one thing that will always remain the same is we get to be in him. And being in him allows us we sang the song, like the anchor holds last service. And so I, mean, I wrote it down just because it fits as a, as a thought. Like when things, when storms of life come, because they're going to come, hard moments come. And when they do, there's this God that anchors us in and helps us. I mean, you think, about, think about Paul. God's in prison, and what is he doing? He's singing hymns. God's worshiping Jesus. Why do you think he was able to do that? How in the world is he able to do such a thing when potentially the next day he's going to die? How is he able to live his life in such a way? Maybe it's because of the Holy Spirit that's in him. And he had questioned and wrestled before, and he said, like, hey, I know that even though there's circumstances, nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. Because if you take me now, I just get to be closer to him, and it's going to be fine. This is the life that we get to have through the Holy Spirit because of the work, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So we get, to, we get to transcend our circumstances through the Holy Spirit of God. As 1 Peter 1.16 says, be holy because I am holy. And it's the Holy Spirit that sets us apart. It's what he's looking to do to set us apart and make us look more like Jesus. <laughs> if you back up in John 14, verse 18 through 20, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and, and the world will not see me no more. So he's talking to them about, hey, I'm about to die. Right? So, so in a little while, I'm not going to be here anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And in that day, you will know that, all right, so let me say it again. Verse number 20, you need to follow this. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I in you. <laughs> That's incredible. That's a lot of ends in that. A whole lot of ends. 
Right? We're all in this thing together. So here's what, here's what I want us to, to recognize. It is the Holy Spirit that becomes our proof of adoption. It becomes proof of adoption in us. It is what sets us apart. So we're talking about being different. Like what looks different to you if you've been adopted into the family of God through the Holy Spirit? What looks different about you? It really is the, probably the only common thread of people in here who are sons and daughters of God that makes us alike. It, it, it's, it's, it's what it is. It's the Holy Spirit. It's, he's the one thing in all of us who are truly in him. He is in us. And he becomes this proof. He becomes this proof and causes us to be. He's not inviting us into like the, the Trinity. He's inviting us into his family. And when you're in his family, you have everything that is his. All the inheritance that he has is yours. <laughs> Think about it. All the joy that he has. Don't you know that God exudes joy? It's yours. It's yours. Confidence, victories, promises, the blessings of Abraham, if you know all of what that means. All of the things of God are ours because we're his sons and his daughters and his inheritance comes to us as heirs and co-heirs to the throne. It comes our proof to be different in this world. And how is he making you and me different? If we're, I'm telling you, I, I believe that the places that we fall short are the places that we don't question him, that we don't allow him to... to Make us look different because when you're going through a storm, if you just crumble under it, anybody can do that. We're broken. It's easy. But it's when you shine in the middle of that storm, people are going to be like, whoa. Why do you think the jailer paid attention to Paul and gave his life to Jesus? When he was singing in prison, something was different. He was set apart than all the other prisoners who were there going, please know I'm innocent. He was there singing praises to Jesus and it made a difference in somebody's life because he wrestled with God enough to already have found that truth and found that joy. It set him apart. He was different. So that jailer that said, yes, I need whatever it is that you got. Give me some of that. We get to be those people. This setting is making us look different in this world. Somebody would be like, whoa, whoa, that's not, that's not the normal response to this. What's going on with you? And we get to say, it's not me. <laughs> It's not me, it was my inheritance. I wasn't able to do this because it's my God. Because he's so good and he gives us these gifts to be able to say, I'm, I'm okay even when life's not. But we don't just get there. If you've not been there, then wrestle with God. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to not be okay. Just let him teach you and mold us. Um. A little further down, there's this guy, after Jesus makes these statements of, like, I'm not going to be here anymore, and, and everybody else is not going to be able to see me, but you're going to be able to see me. It's a little confusing. All right, so if you're reading the Bible, chances are there's going to be some things that are confusing. Even when Jesus himself is saying them to you, and there's this guy, look at this, verse number 22. It says, Judas, by the way, the Bible's hilarious. This guy's like, hey, if you're going to put my name in here, look at this, look at this. <laughs> not that Judas. It's like, Judas, not a scared. All right, like not, if people are going to know that I'm asking this question, don't get me mixed up with that Judas. <laughs> right? Like, this is a different Judas, so make sure that you, we, we got the, we're on the same page, that this Judas is the one who asked this question. So Judas, not a scary, it says to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and then not to the world? What is he doing? He's questioning Jesus. 
Like, you, you're explaining this, and man, that don't make any sense. I don't get what you're saying, Jesus. Is that possible? You're saying that, you know, like, you're, like, you're not going to be here, but, but we're going to still see you, and other people aren't going to be here. I don't mean, what? <laughs> How is this possible? And then Jesus answered and says, If anyone loves me and keeps my word, my Father will love him. He'll come to him and get this. If you underline in your Bible, if you mark in your Bible, it's a fantastic place to mark. He says, I will come to him and I'll make our home with him. Oh, come on, what is home is what? I mean, isn't that just where you just feel comfortable? Home is like that place, home is where your heart is. He's going to make his home with us. He's going to make his home with us. find this a love <laughs> that he's saying this. He's, he's, he's going to place himself within us. So he's really trying to teach them a very difficult thing to understand that there's going to be God that's living inside of us. <laughs> um, heard my dad, and she came to my mind. So this is off notes. I apologize. I heard my dad talk about this, this kid. Um, my dad's been a pastor, and he, there's conversations. That, it's like, so if, if Jesus comes in me, like this kid couldn't wrap his mind around it. Like, wouldn't he stick out everywhere? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes. Yes, he would. That's the point. He's going to stick out all over the place, and he's going to make you look different. It's going to be less of you and more of him. Isn't that, like, isn't that exactly isn't that John 3? Like, less of me, more of you. John 3, 30 says that. That's, just, that's what he's for. It's like we want to be less of us and more of him. He's taking his residence in us. And what does he do when, he, when he's there? I don't know, Brent, if you guys want to come. We're going to land the plane here on this thought. <clears throat> so I know my son is in the room, but I'm going to talk about him anyway. Um, we go through moments in our house. Um, where it just needs to be cleaned, <laughs> right? Just man, like, whoa, what happened? Like, didn't we just clean this house? And then that something happens, and we have to clean it again. And we try to let our kids, you know, we're being, trying to win the parent award. Hey, you do your part. You go clean your room. So anybody feel me? <sighs> you go clean your room. And so... If we, when we finally get them on board with actually doing what we say, right, then two minutes later, like, done. Mm-mm, I see, I've seen that room. <laughs> nope. All right, I'm coming up to check. You come up the stairs and look around. It's like, so did you, did you not see all of this stuff in the corner over here? And you get one of these. It's like, did you, just, did you just breathe out on me right then? Like, what? what like, what happened? Like, I got distracted. Okay, 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 okay. Um, isn't it easy to just get busy, get distracted? Maybe there's something shiny or squirrel that happens in our lives, right? Pew! And you're just like somewhere else. Think back to what it is that God is saying to us. He's coming to make home in us. And I believe, if we're honest, that there's places that we just neglect. Something that we've had there, 
in our hearts and our mind that we've really not really wrestled out. We've not taken the time to clean it up. It's just fuzzy. It's confusing. I think, if we're honest, that we all have some of those places, those hidden places in our lives, maybe in our hearts, maybe some that we're doing on purpose, closets that we're logging up saying, God, you can have a lot of things, but you can't have that. I think maybe that's what happens for us, but then God is saying, I come to make my home in you. And so I don't, one thing I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit is like you don't get him in increments. You get all of him at one time. Right? You get all of him. And then you have access. We don't always walk in the Spirit like we should, but because some, sometimes it, it shows himself more through us when we kind of get include in with him. But we have all of him. But the question really is, is does he have all of us? Does he have all of you? And that's the part that I want you to wrestle with. And get upset if he doesn't. Get upset with yourself because, listen, church, the world doesn't need me. The world doesn't need you. The world needs Jesus. And as long as we're not willing to do that, as long as we're not willing to wrestle and, and struggle and doubt things, then he can't take a hold of those places that's going to cause somebody else to see him. We have to do it. Church, we have to be those people who are saying, Holy Spirit, right now, what is it? You know what Jesus looks like, and you know what I look like. Show me these places. Come into my room and point out the corners that need to be cleaned up. Because I've been distracted. I've been busy. Life's been going on. I've been about doing this and this and this and chasing shiny things and squirrels. And I need you to show me and remind me what needs to be done in my life because I want to look like Jesus. Church, we have to look like Jesus. We have to be Jesus for the world. So I want us to stand up together, and I want you to bring whatever it is, whatever it is you feel like you need to. This is going to be an opportunity. You just respond. Respond to let the Holy Spirit prompt you of what's taking place and what needs to take place. And then guide us, because we should look more like Jesus when we leave than when we came here, because we actually let him do work. So let's sing together, um, and you guys respond how you feel like you need to.